0: Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great joy, enthusiasm, beyond. I've got to catch my breath here because we have the two-time, the double world record holder and one of the finest violist players around. He was in the Birmingham, the Royal Birmingham Conservatoire. The discipline that it took, the man the world record holder, to attain, to get to that sort of level. And the running, which is much a part of his life, a welcome onto the mother of all podcasts, Mr. Alistair Rutherford. Oh. You, sir. How are you feeling today Alistair? Oh I'm very
1: good after our lovely 10 mile run along to um, Ikea in um, St. Helens, not St. Helens, Warrington.
0: Yeah yeah what well, did you think about the, the actual canal? It's, it's interesting. No, the it's route... really nice. Yeah, you, didn't... Like
1: a, you know it's just really nice to be off the roads away from the fumes and also on a, a new route for me. You know not just churning out the same kind of route every Sunday so changing the scenarios you know really really nice.
0: People get the wrong idea of St. Helens, they think it's just you know Concrete, uh, you know, cement city, where my mother's from, which it largely is, but there is another part to it. Which we this morning we were... that
1: was like a temperate rainforest. There was yeah. a deluge of water last night, and I think uh, we got this the sweet spot of the the northern climate.
0: Just move over to, to Matthew. How are you feeling after your your marathon? Two twenty three for the marathon, and then after the marathon, uh, people caught saying that you're very naive. Um, you went out there you ran a 3k and fell to pieces um how are you feeling matthew
2: well i was gonna say it's nice to be back but i mean after that um, <laughs> don't know. um yeah no um <laughs> yeah it was um, it was definitely a learning curve and um, you know fell apart um from sort of the last the last six miles definitely they always say starts at 20 it, it definitely started at 20 for me um because it was it was falling to pieces and then yeah came back too quick uh, a lot of people told me need more time to recover so I'm backing back off now and just nice easy easy paces like our, our nice run this morning there was a, I think about 7.04 seven mile pace I had on my watch for, for my 15 that I did so um, with you guys so yeah no, it was, it's, it's good to be back i still fit and healthy So
0: just before we finish with, with that particular story last 14.30 for 5k a new personal best what do you put that down to a, a very most recent uh, progression
1: I'm just a bit with that to be honest I think um, as a lot of us have learned throughout lockdown there's a lot that can be done and maybe even neglected in your training um, me specifically maybe doing too many races and not um, having you know, a proper build up to a race so going into it not having raced I did a 3k a week beforehand just to tune up for it in 8.40 and that was a kind of nice you know, uh, rust buster and to go into it and just feel really good Probably the first 5K, I felt strong all the way round, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a brilliant course run by a really good what race was that? director. Um, what was that? sorry? was that? Sorry,
0: 5K. Mid-Cheshire in, uh, 5K. Kingsley.
2: Yeah, and it's the same. It's the same. It's uh, Mike. Um, he was the organizer of the the Cheshire Marathon as well that, that I ran. So it's the same same guy, and he's putting on you know one of the first organizers to, to get back and put a lot of races yeah. on out on the open roads because obviously there's been there's been sort of the run through events on those closed off circuits and stuff like race courses and stuff but yeah Mike's doing a fantastic job getting uh, mm. the races on the open roads again and, and getting some great great quality fields. because it, yeah. it wasn't only yourself that had a, a great run there but they, the rest of the Liverpool uh, yeah. uh, team had a, had a great run out with uh, David was, was he third was he in there? Yeah Devine yeah. third and Johnny oh, Mello second yeah. 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 Tom Rogerson
1: broke 15 as well so it was a nice kind
2: of wave of yellow on some of the front yeah. pitches. I think yeah. uh, so I suppose my question on that one is uh when when are you guys going to get John Joe out for these races? Because I uh, he's still uh, running scared. I'm actually uh, yeah. getting on the start line. Well, people, you know, we've <laughs> got a big talk, but uh... we've got a huge <laughs>
0: following in Slovakia, by the way, and, and they know they know this. The people of Slovakia know this. That working as a bin man as I am, you know, it's it's taken a bit of time to mm. adjust, and I'm, I feel like I'm getting there now. Um, but worryingly, I mean, now there's a mention of the Indian variants. Uh, does that in any way shape or form do you worry about this this variant and how it could affect perhaps competition
1: yeah I mean it is it is worrying to think that yet again we may face another wave you know I I don't know in what kind of volume it's going to be but that threat's still there and the fact that the government took you know 20 days to close the border is just a, a disgrace in my view but I think with with regards to running you know the past year has just put into context how how lucky we are to be able to be fit and to run and actually in the broad scheme of things races being cancelled isn't the end of the world you know we can still train you you know that's why so many people have taken to running in in the past year is that you can simply go out and put your trainers on although there's nothing to you know focus on and it's frustrating as a competing club runner actually just be thankful that you can get out and do that
0: well said alistair well said you mentioned the 3k and the prep to the 5k pb and the time was 8 40 what was it you just mentioned the 3k before you what, yeah. what was that time yeah eight forty. pretty much 8 Eight forty, is that what's your best for that time for that distance
1: so my best outdoors is eight thirty six, which is one in October last year, mm. and my best indoors is eight thirty three, which was in two thousand and eighteen in Lee Valley. Um, but all three of those races in the eight forty included have been like good races, I suppose. Um,
0: what what does that mean? Sorry for the listener, a good race.
1: So, it being a race and the fact that you know there were people around and there were people to push you on. In the final 600, there was a lad uh, called Joe, I think, from um, Salford, who actually beat me. Um, and it was nice and competitive and nice to be in that field of, you know, um, good, good club runners on Strefford. You know, getting that back the first race for like six months, actually since the 8.36 that I ran in October. So, yeah, I, mean, I led it out into the wind because I was a bit worried that I'd get cut up. Uh, in the group because there were about 20 guys on the start line and I just wanted to get going because I kind of wanted a time more than a position because it was an open meet Um, and I found myself on the front which isn't ideal but I didn't want to drop back. I was already running like 69s and you know in the back of your mind I guess I was thinking to go for 8.30 something so I didn't want to drop off and then a few guys you know caught up and kind of gapped me and then there was a good race with about 600 to go so i really enjoyed doing kind of tune-up races where you're less it's it's not the key goal race i suppose it's just to get your legs going and get the feel and i particularly like doing 3ks in a build-up for a 5k because it's slightly more intense the pace it bites a bit more but then the volume is only three-fifths of the distance, so you're not absolutely obliterating your legs.
0: And you do that ideally a week or two weeks before the 5K race?
1: Um, I guess it's when you can get the opportunity. Beggars can't be choosers. So I, I did a 600 session, um, I think you were there, John Joe, about four weeks ago. I think we did 12 by 600. Yeah. And I surprised myself in the speed that I could run it. I think it was like 143, 44 average. Mm -hmm. And after the session, I was just thinking, ah, should it be quite interesting to do a 3K and kind of see how I'd go? Um, And of course, everyone who's a distance runner in the north knows of the Stratford meet and how how great it is you can just go up and turn up. You know, it's really good value for money and you're always going to get a good race there. So I just decided to do that and uh, bust some rust.
2: Yeah, mm. and I uh, suppose speaking of, of traffic little shout out to the track there they are uh, they're trying to raise the funds to a resurface of the of the track and things and um, you know it's 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 seen the likes of um Sebco going back in, in into the uh, the 70s and 80s you you know use it as as prep races before the olympics where we do a couple 800 races on the one night and and beast everyone out there and then uh, and then go to the olympics and then you know all the way through we've seen top um national international races there so if anyone does want to donate and and um, help them raise the, the funds for that and stuff like that head to the the trafford ac website where it's got the details there so a nice little shout out for uh, for trafford because they they do put on some fantastic uh, meets every year and um, you know even in the, the lockdown year of, of 2020 they they managed to put on some fantastic mm. events for the end of it and uh, carry through to October to let us all get some times in and things like that I saw some amazing stats uh, recently it's
1: definitely the track that puts on the most meets in in the UK and possibly Europe there's that many you know from school events to yeah. BMC's to all different levels it's it's fantastic yeah and
2: was before I, it was I that was where I ran my 3000 the other week and and um, it's the first time I've run there in probably two or three years to be fair um, but I could tell the track, it, it, it does need a, uh, a new resurface. there. That that inside there, lane one is, is getting pretty worn on uh, certain mm. straights and bends and stuff. So uh, I think it's, it's definitely warranted and hopefully they'll, they'll raise those funds and get that sorted.
0: Hmm, it's quite a costly. Yeah, it's be...
2: £160,000 that they're trying to raise um, as, as to put towards it. And then obviously the, the council is going to meet them and um, the, other, the other bit sort of thing mm. to fund that. So it, it is a lot of money and um, but you know it's such a great track and they put on some great events in the in the northwest and um, northern england really as, as a whole so um, you know athletes from all over the country travel to, to race there so it would be a shame if, if they, they couldn't resurface that and you know mm. it gets too dangerous and stuff and it has to close and i can't see that ever being the case because i'm sure um, you know the the athletes and things will get behind it and and, yeah. and help fund that and, and help races go on there for, for years and years to come so andy burnham if you're listening Get
1: donating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, is he still the mur of Manchester? Yeah, yeah he's really Got elected. elected yeah. Okay, yeah. Now, I'd like to go back to your childhood, Alistair, because I think this is very important, at least briefly. Going back to Egbeth, where you were, I believe, brought up, which is not far from Sefton Park. People um, will know know Sefton Park being a, a beautiful park in the, in the heart of Liverpool. Not far from the prom as well, is that right? Mm-hmm. I want to talk about your childhood, whether it was a happy childhood, and, and the music thing is so important here because Alistair, as you, you may have heard on the intro, um, achieved um, a standard on the viola, which uh, I know you're a very humble uh, gentleman, but you reached a an, ama- I think, truly amazing standard in, in the Royal Birmingham Conservatoire, and how you've harnessed that discipline uh, from your music and we can go into what was involved because, I mean, that was serious stuff and you've harnessed that into running and we're even going to see that harness even more recently in your reading, you know, and, and you're coming off social media completely and, and the strength of character and resolve that you've had and you've you've said positive things about how you're feeling since you've removed yourself from that. We're going to go into that childhood, please. Talk about that for us. And your mother, of course, and your father who... They never had those opportunities, if I'm right in saying this, from a musical time, and they wanted that for their children, and they got you playing the violin, or your mother plays the violin, I believe, she started playing in her 30s, mm-hmm. so please, as best as you can, describe that time.
1: Yeah, sure, so, shout out to my family, I mean, had a very, very rewarding childhood, and had a great upbringing, I'm very fortunate. Um, so as John Joe said, I grew up on um, Egbeth, um, Mersey Road. Um, so literally the road that goes from Egberth Road down to the prom. Um, and that was, that was a really nice place to grow up. I went to Sudley Infant and Sudley Junior School. And uh, when I was five, my sister and mum were already playing the violin in um, a a music school um, in Southport because they used to live up in West Lancashire in uh, Rufford so they kept the connection there and my mum said you know here's this instrument and I was five and I was like she said do you want to play and I went yeah (laughs) so for as long as I can remember I was going to do music on a Friday um, since the age of five. Um, so I'd go and do Kadai um, Dalcro's lessons, which is like kind of bouncing balls and stuff and learning rhythm, as well as playing um, violin in a string orchestra. So I did that, didn't really think much of it, did the grades and stuff. And then when I got to 10, my teacher was a viola professional violist um, and her husband is still in Liverpool Philharmonic. So she said Do you want to play the viola because it's a bit of a rare breed like the double bass, French horn, bassoon, there's kind of not many players in the country. Um, so they're always looking for new players and it, it's got an awesome bottom string, a C string. So it's a, a perfect fifth down from the violin. And it, it's a bit, like, a bit more like the human voice really. Uh, so a bit more mellow. So I really enjoyed that and switched to it. So I became a viola player at 10. Um, music was the bigger part of my life I as a child I kind of um, tried all different sports I think I did badminton swimming saw a picture of me doing judo the other day football and I was not I was kind of a, a skinny kind of not very well built child <laughs> not from like malnutrition or anything just wasn't like muscular or anything and um, I wasn't very good at them to be honest like I never got picked for any of the football teams or anything and yeah just didn't quite work until I went to the Blue Coat School, which is just over from the, on the other side of the mystery from Wavertree Athletics Track, um, and got into basketball. That's kind of the sport that the head of PE was really interested in. So they had like uh, some Americans come over in the summer break in, in between year seven and eight, and um, kind of really enjoyed that. It was the first sport where I felt, wow, you know, this is this is brilliant and kind of had a bit of a natural ability compared to like my rubbish football playing days and I was a bit, I was, I'm quite tall, I'm six foot four. Um, so I got into basketball when I was like 13 and did that, played for Liverpool Basketball Club, talked to the Tigers. Uh, it, was, it was really fantastic because you meet people from all different walks of life that you just wouldn't bump into otherwise, especially like music as well. I uh, got to travel kind of the country Um, and you know go to loads of different courts Um, got to about 15 or 16 and still playing basketball and actually my coach Manor I talked to the Tigers on Saturdays he'd make the the club go out for a run around Princes Park so down Princes Avenue because he just knew that you know you have to have really good fitness to be good at basketball because you know you're on your feet for like 40 minutes And so I'd just go for a three K run and I got absolutely left for dead. (laughs) Um, And then I started going to Sefton park after school, just to do a few more runs to complement my basketball training. Uh, you know, I'd like go all out round the round Sefton park. It felt like a marathon and I'd be absolutely, I think my record was like 19 minutes or something. And that's like just over two miles. And then I completely stopped playing basketball when I was 16. I started taking my music a lot more seriously. It got to the point where I was considering what I wanted to go to university to study and then, you know, for for my job and I was really enjoying music. So I made the decision to stop playing basketball because I didn't want to damage my fingers. For a non-contact sport, it's very contact and to the extent, you know, if you get a ball and it hits your finger, and it goes the other way it's not going to be conducive to playing yeah. uh, fast scales on the viola. Um, so I I gave up basketball and started taking the music way more seriously. I went to the Junior Northern College of Music in Manchester on a Saturday. I was playing with the Liverpool Philharmonic Youth on a Sunday and I was playing in the brass band on a Monday night. Yeah. Um, and I got really like quite unfit. I was, as most teenagers are, you know, things are quite cool to go out, you know, stay out late, drink loads, have fun. And then I was just, one day I just thought, um, you know, I'm going to go for a run round. i would moved to Allerton where my parents live now. I went for a run round Coldstones Park and I was absolutely destroyed on my knees, like for a two mile run or something. And then I just thought, I probably should get a bit fitter now just from the perspective of, you know, clarity of thought and it's generally better in life to be fitter than unfit. Um, and then we had like a charity, six form project in which we would, uh, try and raise some money for a particular um, charity. So I think my forms was mined, uh, and I decided to enter the Liverpool marathon in 2012, uh, not not being a runner at all, it was crazy. So in the build up for that, I would just do on my like on my old Apple um, shuffle. You'd just be do. about seventeen. I was yeah I was actually seventeen, so I shouldn't have done it really. I think I lied about my birthday. You know it was like October and I was eighteen in a few months, so I did it um, in four and a half hours, and it was you know walking um, <laughs> for most of it. Uh, you know, trying to just like keep going and do it, but I did it, and from then, then my mum was running with Mossley Hill Athletics Club, which is a, a really nice, brilliant club, which I'm still a member of now, Second Claim, and always will be. Um, she was jogging with them for years since I was a kid. I thought she was a lunatic being with them, and she said, "Why don't you just come down?" And then from from that, I then did the Liverpool half marathon. And then my coach there, who's still running with them now and is an incredible runner, Tony Metcalf, really nice guy, told me to um, come and do this uh, bridge run in um, Runcorn. They used to run over the bridge. Now it's turned into the Hale 5-Miler. So I I guess it was was the Hale 5-Miler, then it turned into the Runcorn. So I did that and then I just got into club running that way really. So I've kind of done it completely the opposite way round to loads of people who have gone through the ranks in like the Liverpool Harriers and St Helens and all over the country. So and that's how I've ended up yeah.
0: being a runner now. Really interesting. Uh, Matthew, have you got anything there you'd like to? Um,
2: yeah, I suppose, what well, you know, um, that's sort of getting started in it. Obviously from the, you started with that, I suppose that, in, in the running side of things with the, the marathon sort of, you know, obviously now you know, we're down at sort of that 5k 1500 metre sort of uh, training discipline and things I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a bit more in that as, as we go through, but how have you found that sort of, you know, coming from that sort of you know, starting out and, and doing the big distances to then, you know, obviously now as you've got more into, into running and things like that now transitioning down to that sort of shorter, faster sort of stuff
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got, um a lot more appreciation for training regimes and how to train properly. Of course when I trained from a four and a half hour marathon, you know, my idea of a long run was like a ten K around the park and then I might try like doing eighteen miles and, you know, dying within that. So I guess the mental side of it I would think I I've got benefit out of doing all all of those longer runs from when I was younger. Unfortunately, I've avoided doing some really bad damage because, of course, not being a runner to go in to do so much, you can cause yourself a lot of issues, with, especially shin splints, for example, is a, a common injury for, for new runners. So I, I got over that and got through it. Unfortunately, I didn't do so much damage. But, I mean, with, with the benefit of hindsight, I wouldn't have done the marathon or the half marathon. But, that, yeah, again, I probably wouldn't be here today speaking about running if I hadn't have done that so who
3: knows
0: (laughs) Mm, interesting now we introduce you as the two-time double world champion um and those who are eagerly listening to this show just because of that very reason can you can you tell us more about that world record or those two world records
1: yeah so I am a two-time Guinness world record holder for the fastest half marathon dressed as a musical instrument, male. Oh. And fastest marathon dressed as a musical instrument, male. Um, they, they happened um, in 2017, broke both of those records. I think I took it from a, a cowbell and a guitar. Uh, they were the previous record holders. So for all of those people who are listening and love viola jokes, I am now the quickest viola joke in the world. Well,
0: I've had word there from David Devine. He, he's threatened to break your world records by dressing up as a banjo. Um, uh, but that's, we're, we're, we're still waiting for that. We're still waiting for that to unfold. Now, I'm interested in uh, the discipline, the, the viol- viola, 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 that's how you pronounce it correctly, um, to get to that standard well, or you, you're in the Bir- Royal Birmingham Conservatoire. By the way, that's interesting, isn't it? The, the word royal, they, they applied for that word, uh, I believe, in 2017,
1: is that? Yeah, so um, there's a fantastic new building um, built in Birmingham, uh, Millennium Point uh, in Birmingham City University, which uh, kind of is the owner of the conservatoire. And... With that the the school had applied for this royal title and which was granted by the Queen. So I actually met Edward. Um, he came to the opening ceremony and he's actually a really nice guy. And so now it is the Royal Birmingham Conservatoire, yeah. Right,
0: yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, and that name gives him the sort of the prestige perhaps to I don't know, maybe to sell more tickets in the long run, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I guess um, it makes them more marketable, um, bigger reputation, hopefully grow. Um, so, how I ended up there prior to it being Royal, that was the university I went to in 2013. I went for a very specific teacher, Louise Lansdowne, who's an incredible person. And um, she kind of gave me a real real opportunity where my technique wasn't quite up to scratch um, to develop into a professional musician. So, I spent four years there um, on a professional um performance degree so my degree was literally in viola performance um supported by academics and stuff and with that came uh, my my greater interest and dedication to running um i joined the when i moved to birmingham i joined a club called spark hill harriers who have had a few olympians in the past actually so they're kind of south birmingham um, I think Sparkills mentioned a few times in Peaky Blinders, so <laughs> anyone who's ne- watches yeah. that will well, know. I mean,
2: Birmingham's running history is—it's mm. it's, it's got a, a huge running history, and obviously now is is one of the hubs um, as well, isn't it, alongside sort mm. of Loughborough and in the, in, in the mm. Midlands. Um, but obviously Bud Aldaro was the, mm-hmm. the main coach at the Birmingham University for mm-hmm. for a long time, um, and obviously. Luke Gunn is, is doing a, a great job there, and this there's, there's some great uh, races going ahead in Birmingham as well at the moment, and the, yeah, it's an exciting process. place, yeah, especially
1: with the new track.
2: Yeah, well, Birmingham, Birmingham as a whole seems to be really investing money in the in the city, both you know, obviously with the track for um, mm-hmm. the new Alexander track, obviously the University news track as well, and obviously Commonwealth Games is going to be there next year, um, obviously with the, the from the um, uh, with the Royal, um, but as well sort of thing. So you, you've got a you've got a lot of, there's a lot of money going in there and Mm obviously looking to try and build that up and stuff, which, um, you know, I suppose, I suppose, there's sort of a stereotype, isn't there, towards Birmingham, that you you don't think much, much of it, I suppose, from it, I think, but yeah, it looks, you know, they look like they're really investing and uh, Mm -hmm. looking like they're trying to make the city a really good place to sort of be and and go to. Yeah, totally.
0: I want to get right back to this this very interesting point here, that this lady who who was working on your technique to bring you to that next level, Mm -hmm. that that name again, please.
1: Louise Lansdown
0: fantastic lady you you just Mm. said and what what kind of you know how many hours a day would you have been putting into that instrument let's say at the peak where you were practising most to develop what we're talking about here
1: throughout my whole time as a student at the conservatoire which was four or five years um, I'd spend on average four hours a day practising
0: would that be broken up
1: yeah so that would be pretty much every day um, including weekends, although sometimes, you know, you do have to rest, like running, and oh, know when really. to rest mentally and physically, um, so that, yeah, that that would be broken up kind of into warm-up exercises, etudes. Um, and then you would look at your scales and double stops and arpeggios and stuff.
0: You'd have breaks in between, That what, like half hour where you'd do something else? or?
1: Yeah, I mean, my concentration could be better, but it's something you need to work on. Um, so it's learning about yourself. And, you know, if you can feel that you're not fully attentive, then it's time to take a break. And of course, that changes with life. But it's just about keeping that consistency. And, and knowing when to really turn it up and dial it back, just like preparing for a, a race. Um, and then the, the biggest portion, most rewarding part of your practice day would be your repertoire. So looking at chamber music, um, recital stuff, solo, and um, duets with piano, you know, looking at how to phrase something differently and, and just get your own interpretation of the of the music. So that would be the the biggest portion of the, of the, the day.
0: Chamber music. I've often heard that, that word used. To enlighten me. What what is it? What is chamber music? So
1: chamber music is just playing with um, more than yourself. So with, with some you know duet, trio, quartet. Within string playing repertoire, it's mostly string quartet is the most famous kind of version of chamber orchestra. But you can have chamber sorry chamber ensemble. You can also have chamber orchestra. You know smaller orchestra, not symphonic or philharmonic. Um, and I think that's the most rewarding part of being a musician is uh, communicating and making music with other people. That's what it's all about, really. You know that's where it came from the salon music back in Haydn's days. You know it was always. A bit more informal, there wouldn't be you know a concert at 7 or 30 on a Thursday night in the big hall, it could just be more you know, oh, a group of mates are going to play through. You know, Mozart, uh, Haydn, they were all viola players and played in string quartets, and that's why there's so much uh, repertoire available now.
0: Now, the last couple of years, you've been running on average, I, I, I'm, I'm informed, 70 miles a week perhaps on average. The last couple of years. That takes for me, I would say that's pretty high mileage. Maybe not for Matthew, Matthew's a bit more, but then it depends. I think it depends what, what he's training what for. Training for yeah. um, but that seventy figure, it's quite impressive because it's an average as well, like, right across the two years. And the discipline from those days when you were four hours a day, you know, which is quite to me sounds very intense because um, that's again day in day out, weekends as you as you say, you know, four hours day and day. Out. Um is there um is that imparted on your running, the discipline? It seems sounds to me as as though the two mm,
1: Massively. Yeah. I, I, I use the term lightly uh, and some people would disagree, but I, I would say I'm not a talented runner in the fact that many juniors, you know, you look at Matt Sherland for example, 340, 15 under seventeen or something insane like you know the levels yeah. people get as, as juniors and I, I simply didn't achieve that level um and, and where i can't push on on lower intensity of training i can't get away with not training hard because i'm i'm just not built like that i can't kind of cheat myself i think that's a, an advantage in the long run you know <laughs> The, the cliché Rome wasn't built in a day, I think that couldn't apply more to running and it's all about the consistency of your training. So back back to the kind of point of consistency, um, I'm, I'm kind of, not neurotic, but I'm very um, kind of goal-driven and so I have to set targets and then hold myself to account and know what I'm going to do in the training and how that leads to something and that definitely comes from um, the regimentation of my degree. And that's why I think it's a massive shame that the government is cutting funding to the arts by 50% in higher education, um, because I think, uh, I'm not in a career now of music, I've, I've moved into business, uh, and I think what I've learned in my degree has, uh, not just my degree, but in school as well, from having that supplement has really developed me into the kind of regimented runner, and that, I guess that. You know, comes across in 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 anything in your work and your your relationships and your, your you know your your hobbies yeah. as well.
2: Well, I, I always I always think there's there's a lot to learn from both sort of like the arts and um, and sort of obviously sports as a, as a whole that transfers into into sort of life into and, and that sort of work work ethic and things like that. Which you know when I mean you were pro- you were probably only a couple of years younger than me, so you were probably in the same area of school when it all PE and stuff like that became you know um, non-competitive sports days and everything mm. that was like the big government like thing oh yeah you know, let's, let's get rid of the competition for, for kids in primary schools and high schools and mm. stuff and it was like well you know in the workplace you have to be competitive and that that's the only time in school where you sort of learn competition you know the, your, your PE lessons your, your, your school sports mm. and stuff and for a whole sort of Bit of generation, unless you had some sort of sport outside and your parents sort of got you into something mm. and things like that, you sort of lost that bit of sort of momentum and competitive edge that then you know when it comes to. Mm. Um, and some people simply
1: don't have access to yeah, the arts to or the sports, to, uh, yeah. you know, it's the only place they can do it. And yeah. I guess people also, you know, might not be able to express themselves academically, or you know, people have many different skills, and it's a massive shame that those. Extra curricular things that are now being deemed are being lost because it's so important for character building.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. School sports day. I I've started watching the Chariots of Fire finally. Yeah, finally, finally. Um, <laughs> and um, by the way, I I've, I've got a memory from that particular because the screenplay uh, was written by. Uh, I believe Colin Wellens who uh, I think he even performed I'm not sure if he was in the film as a, as a, as a performer but I do recall um, a happy memory actually of his cousin Ken Wellens who was sadly in a, in a care home there with my grandmother and um, he was a great character and he, he, he talked about his cousin you know and I checked him up and th- he had been dead five years you know no wonder he hadn't visited him but I um, started watching the, the film Chariots of Fire for those who uh, I think I, I got this thought from Matthew that it's very very true that that film is is very much uh, I'm only part way through it, it quite inspirational because it's it's running really, obviously if you're a runner and you're looking at that and you think oh it gives me a and Matthew has said this before to me that you'd think there'd be more films like that available maybe you know you have got a lot of boxing films you have got a lot of other perhaps other sports there may be an opportunity. Um, I think there's a couple of other films isn't there there's
2: a couple of other running films yeah. I mean, they, they can always, you recommend any to, yeah, um, yeah,
0: perhaps guys uh, any other films um, what
2: we've discussed
1: today and I still haven't watched but it's been recommended today is Without Limits yeah, yeah Without yeah. Limits Without Limits yeah. and, and yeah.
2: Prefontaine are both obviously yeah. stories of, of Steve Prefontaine and um, obviously everyone knows I'm a huge, huge fan of him. So there's, there's both of those films and both have good casts and and uh, things I think something that, so. that isn't um running relates is Invictus.
1: Yeah. With um, it's and about Morgan Mandela and the um, Morgan Freeman, isn't it? And, yeah. Uh, is it Matt, Matt Damon? Damon, yeah, about the South African World Cup team. Now that's
2: a really fantastic sport right, film. Yeah, yeah. Recommend that. Invictus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. we'll have a look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Fall in USA is a um, a running one. Um, McFarland, USA. USA not uh, it? It gets, it gets it. a little bit of criticism, but I think it's a nice feel-good. It's a family, a family sort of sports film. It's a Have you uh, seen coach, that? cross-country coach no, seen uh, out in the states, and he's 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 down. He's been fired. He was a football coach, and he gets fired. American football, and he gets fired. And he goes to this school, which doesn't do cross-country, but he, he gets hired as like the cross-country coach. And um, there's all these sort of it's on the but kind. Of, Southern California, on the border with Mexico, and things like that. And they've got a lot of uh, immigrants up from Mexico, and they're all working in the fields and the farms and stuff like that. But they're all really, really talented. and It's a true story. It's to, to the actual events. And um, obviously, they Hollywoodized it a little bit. But he coaches this team, and they, uh, you know, they have great success, sort of thing. And they did guys that everyone thought there's you know, no chance. Then, but they get into their, their education as well. They start to think, well, actually, there's more to it. And I think, I think most of the team. Who everyone thought would never go off to you know university and college and stuff like that, or head off on, on scholarships yeah. and stuff like that because yeah. they're running and things. So, um, it's, you know, it's a real nice, positive feel-good sort of thing. Which sports films always are, you know. You, even if you look at the, the Rockies as a as a classic, sort yeah. of a film, the Rocky mm, films. Are, yeah. You know, you you fired up even even watch them as a, a running fan. You fired up to go for a run. Yeah. You know, yeah. sort of the the boxing like. I
0: I watched the Raging Bull the other night. You know the have you seen the Raging Bull with Robert De Niro? He puts on yeah. sixty pounds for that particular. He portrays um, uh, what's the boxer called? He was a middleweight champion in the forties, Jake LaMotta. Yeah, I I, don't, I think it was it was good, but it wasn't. You know, it was okay. Going back to the charity of fire, what I noticed about the Scottish because uh, it, it's it's depicting the nineteen twenty four Oli- Paris Olympics, and uh, Lidl... Uh, what's his first name? Yeah, Lidl. Yeah. The, the Scotsman. Yeah, and I just this. Seen, uh stayed with me. It was in the highland. they were doing like a school sports day, and I could see them all running around, they were challenging one another. And then it's I think highland, in the Highland Games, in the high, it highland, was it highland
1: highland yeah, so the Highland Games? Yeah. yeah, but he
0: wouldn't run on the Sabbath, yeah. He and that was a genuine thing, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he never ran on the Sabbath. Yeah. And from John, John, de-
2: Jonathan Edwards wouldn't compete on a Sunday, he uh, probably that's a lot more recent I and mean, it's still. So I suppose getting on now but it was you know just in mm. the 90s and 2000s Jonathan Edwards Triple Jump World oh, champion oh, yeah, yeah, holder yeah, yeah, yeah. And still um, yeah. Olympic gold list. but yeah he wouldn't compete on a really? for yeah, a I long don't... time his career he, he did eventually but for a long time he, he, it, he wouldn't do a devout Christian yeah
0: yeah, yeah interesting but the point um, that was highlighted to me that even in sort of primitive you might say in the Scotland and the Highlands they were having this and the, the young people there were absolutely you know thrilled to be a part of this sports day and i think back in my school and I, i'll be honest with you guys i don't think we we had much of a sports day at all really right right the way through we had the odd the odd little session but i don't think mm-hmm. they were up for it i think they were a bit worried about solicitation perhaps and and uh, um they were a bit worried about you know the implications of health and safety let's say yeah. not? and and um um I believe you've got a Sports Day story for us. I
1: do. It was, um, I think it was Merseyside schools and yes, year, year six, maybe. At Wavertree, ironically, where the Harriers are based now. Oh, well, this is the Merseyside uh, what, schools champs? Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. primary school, end of primary school champs. And I, I just entered the 800 metres. I think we were quite a small school and, you know, and the kid didn't fit. It was too big. And, <laughs> My mum was running with Moss Hill at the time, and I, I wasn't a runner then. And I just said to her, How do you run the 800 meters? She went, Just don't go off too hard. You know, like it, it's kind of a long way. You don't want to be dying at the end. So yeah. I took her very literally. Um, I didn't come last because three kids collapsed on the first bend. So, <laughs> you know, I was, I was last, but there were some DNFs. <laughs> um, so I took it very, very slowly. And I got. Through to the, the the home straight on the second lap, and you know everyone else had finished, you know off changed and whatever, and then uh, everyone just started like chanting my name, and I was just like, come on to the side, and then across the line, you know with my hands in the air. You know, I think I got the biggest cheer on the day. Yeah, um, Dad was pissing himself, but um, it just goes to show, you know, I enjoyed that, and you can get enjoyment at any level, and. I'm still running, you know, 12 years, 13, 14 years later.
0: <laughs> Social media, listen, Alistair, I, I think out of all the people, you're like sort of a role model for me. And I look up to you and you're younger than me. It's not very often that a younger person would be a role model for anyone. I don't. maybe, maybe, but you are. Okay. And, and you are now genuinely, um, because the way you apply yourself, your discipline, which we've talked about, um, even, I mean, this is amazing the the reading list that he's given himself he's given himself twenty books to read for the year he's picked them out okay he's changed a couple as the year has progressed he's already we're in we're in what we're in May he's already read fifteen books yeah. um, I've got another love by lockdown <laughs> well yeah maybe yeah maybe but you're still very very busy aren't you and um, I've got I've got a little gift for you um, which we'll, we'll hand out later oh, thanks. Um, another book um, Get on the list, yeah, yeah. We, um, tw- well, obviously, I want to ask you you're going to recommend some books for, for, the, for, the, for the listener relating to running. Um, we're going to want that, that information from mm-hmm. yourself. Um, and the social media thing for me, you walked away from it, and you, you're telling me that by walking away, you find encounters with people who you didn't really see very often. You find them more genuine because they don't—they've not been, you know. There's not that social media uh, browsing one another's lives. Mm-hmm. It's you see someone they've maybe forgotten about you. What they see it, and it's very fresh, yeah. genuine. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Talk about your reasons for leaving social media, perhaps as well, and how it's positively affected your life because you're on record for saying that.
1: Yeah. So I still have, um, I still have Strava, which I would. Consider social media, but with a different context—the context, uh, context that I enjoy. I still have Twitter because I find it entertaining, and I feel um it's more like political and a bit. You know, Liverpool football club is a big part of my life, so I like all of the memes and catching up with that and seeing how angry everyone gets every week. At <laughs> when it's going well, it's great, and um, but yeah, I remove myself from Facebook and Instagram, like uh, about six months ago and um, to be honest I found myself spending quite a lot of time on it but I would say possibly not any more time than maybe a lot of people but that's an assumption I, I just wasn't being rewarded by what I was reading I actually felt like I was spending a lot of time on it you, you wake up in the morning you just read about you know Joe blogs from school you haven't seen in 10 years and doing something which is fantastic and I just became a little cynical about it maybe And uh, but just from my perspective I, I wasn't enjoying being involved in that and of course I miss out on things now so for example like you know the Liverpool Harriers group on Facebook you know I don't hear about like as many results but then you can just go and find that on the internet uh, but the main thing the, the main benefit I've found now is that um I, Encounters like today, chatting with you guys. I haven't seen you in a while, Matt. You know, chatting at training when I came back to Liverpool. It feels slightly more engaged and and rewarding in the fact that um, you know I don't know any backstory or what's happened, and I can ask more genuine questions without knowing like what has gone on. Mm -hmm. And in that way, I feel more rewarded and more in tune with like actual life. And I think part of my generation or maybe that's an assumption again but just speaking from my own experience I found a lack of boredom like I don't think many people actually feel the same level of boredom that I did as a child like you know sitting in in the relatives watching the cricket or something for hours and hours because there's literally nothing else to do and um, you know like playing music or something or filling my time with things I enjoy doing Um, throughout my waking hours and then sleeping maybe a bit better um, because I'm training so much and um, I feel like I'm spending my time on what things I like to do and maybe I might go back to social media if like I I feel like I'm missing out and I do want to tune back in but I think I've felt a a, a positive um, kind of response from not being so constantly like just news hungry Mm. Um, and I guess like <laughs> reading the news as well. It's like an addiction, you know, you always want to know the next thing. And it's just like so much information where well, I was just sitting down to read the book and just being totally engrossed in that text or going out for a run and just being totally in tune with your surroundings. i found like um, to be, to be really raw reward- rewarding. Yeah.
0: My boy, that's yeah, fantastic. Very progressive, hugely progressive.
2: Yes, I- I mean I I wanna jump back to um obviously back into the, the, the running side of mm-hmm. um your journey I suppose in Birmingham so you obviously you went to um Spark um Spark Hill House Um and then obviously you went on to, to Birchfield as well mm-hmm. before obviously you, you returned to to Liverpool and, and, and joining Liverpool Harriers mm-hmm. and, and obviously under uh, under Tony as your you coach now so talk us through that sort of progression there obviously from university in, in Birmingham with the clubs there and then up to back to Liverpool now and, and how you found training with um, this, this guy here and uh, you know in the Scouts project here mm, yeah yeah um, so
1: when I went to Birmingham I wanted to do kind of the extracurricular activities because I knew how intense a music degree would be and I, I always enjoyed doing a vast range of things So I checked out, you know, some of the local clubs' uh, websites, um, Bettsfield being one, and I just thought, wow, that looks way too good for me. (laughs) It looks too serious, all these amazing athletes are. That kind of put me off when I first went to Birmingham. Looked at Kings Heath, Bourneville, Sparkhill, and uh, just from the website, to be honest, uh, Sparkhill seemed great. Uh, So I cycled there, five miles to get there, which seems kind of mad now, but actually kind of nice in a way it builds your fitness and gets you out on the bike yeah. in the winter and in, in the roads of Birmingham so I'm kind of lucky I'm still alive <laughs> um, at first session I really enjoyed it really nice bunch of people not the level of Liverpool or basefield whatsoever but it was a, a perfect level for me at the time um, when I went to Birmingham I had no idea about like any of these cross country leagues or track leagues or uh, anything I didn't know about YDL I didn't do any of that um, so I went to Birmingham League, which is a really good cross-country league in Birmingham. I was in Division 3, the lowest one, and it was really nice, competitive. Went to you know the road relays and stuff, ran a terrible time, got overtaken by the man in the motorbike, and he asked me um, if I'm still competing. <laughs> um, but I just I genuinely love being involved in all of, the, of these events. I remember going to Mansfield, cross-country relays, and just thinking, wow, this is brilliant, yeah. got into it that way. Then did the London Marathon in 2014, um, and of course, being a student, I was coming back to Liverpool, you know, in, in, in the breaks and stuff, um, so I did like Liverpool Half Marathon, Rock and Roll, Tony Barnes, Sefton Park, Walton, all the local road okay. races, and then kind of did, did a lot of park runs as well in 2014, I think I did about 60 races, I was just loving it. And I got got stre- um, not stress fracture, shin splints uh, in the May. So uh, that summer kind of didn't run that much. Uh, May twenty fourteen did a bit of cycling because my dad's really into that. And we did it on, like family holidays, which was kept me fitness there. And then when I went to back to Birmingham for my second year, I hadn't been to Sparkhill for a while, and, and through that time I'd progressed. You know, I'd gone for I think. I think I broke 40. No, I hadn't broken 40 for the 10K then. I was just doing all of the league races and stuff. But I think 2014, I ran like a 125 half marathon in the Liverpool Rock and Roll. We went back to Birmingham and I just thought, I think I should change the club now. I'd kind of just got progressed and I wanted a better challenge. So I just thought, oh, you know, I'll throw my hat in the ring, go to Bestfield, Harry's, you know, quality club. So I just joined the road runners there. And spent a few months with them, uh, really really nice crowd of guys. Um, went to then it was Birmingham League Division One at Lamington Spa, and the distance runner coach, there Dave Lawrence, just saw me, and um, he was like, "What's this? You know, nineteen year old, twenty year old doing?" Um, so he he kind of like said, "You know, do you want to join in the group?" Um, uh, looking back on it, I think it was a bit of like bit of a gamble really because he was training like Kenyans and Ethiopians who had come over like Wayne Gabriel Selassie who was at the 2012 steeplechase, now he's coaching like Kadar and Omar who are really good runners and he's coached you know, some seriously good athletes and I was absolutely hanging off the back there got absolutely demolished for months and I think looking back on it I was why, why did he ask me to come and maybe he just saw a bit of potential um that I just, you know, hadn't been training properly. Right. So he asked me how many miles a week doing. I said like twenty-five, is that enough? And he was like, absolutely not, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I thought that I was I was like happy with that. I was yeah, like yeah, so enough. Yeah. He was like, you do that in two days. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um and then throughout those winter months I just kept grafting, doing races and stuff. And then kinda got to the road relays in twenty fifteen. And then twenty fifteen was a bit of a break breakthrough year for me. I finally got to know how to run properly and train properly. You know, I didn't know anything about the mixture of a long run, tempo run, speed work, VO two max. It meant nothing to me. I didn't know. I just turned it up and did it. You know, we we're doing like ten mile tempos, and I was just thinking, wow, this is massive. And then I ran like sixteen ten at Crystalton in two thousand fifteen. The short one, yeah. everyone had wind yeah. me up. Everyone was just amazed in the group. They were like, How have you run that? and I didn't know either. Um, but I guess it was you know, it's a good race yeah. surrounded by those good athletes like at the time, Mark Wynn, um, Mike Fitzsimons, loads of the guys, and how and on the circuits. Yeah, um, just did really well there, and then um, stayed with Birchfield for until 2018, just progressing. Getting quicker. Um, as I said, I did mid Cheshire. Uh, first time we did that was 15 29 in 2017. And then it took me a few years, as John Joe was referring, to build up this mileage base Um, to get to what I can handle now. I think it's just consistency, isn't it? It's just grinding yeah. out. And you, every year you can surprise yourself a bit more, but it's not overdoing it. You're always treading that fine line of injury. and. You know, just like right on the edge of illness, basically. Um, And yeah, I I came on loads. You know, I had some really good experience doing British League, 3K, 5K, got my times down to like 33, 10K, 75 half marathon, um, you know, in the 15s for 5K. And then I got to 2018, I'd finished my degree, I was doing a part time study just to progress a bit more with my playing and decided what I wanted to do and um, at that time I'd applied to go and do a masters in uh, Penn State University America and to study music and at that very time a PhD position got offered at the university I was at um, to progress a charity project um, in which I'd run the, the Guinness world records for. It was, it was actually for a reason. I'm not just weird. Well, I'm re- weird, but <laughs> it was actually for a reason. So I chose to pursue the PhD route, which never happened. I ended up um, being employed by the university um, as a research assistant. And at that time, the running just became a bit of a slog. I wasn't really enjoying it. and uh, The group was going in loads of different ways. You know, People of different abilities and it wasn't working for me and I was just kind of lost joy for it you know looking back on it maybe I shouldn't have just left on bad terms but it kind of I just fl- I just drifted away and I felt like
0: Do you feel like you left on bad terms
1: um, yeah, I would say so with my coach. We kind of, I mean, it's okay now. Um, I have massive respect for Dave and he's completely transformed my ability. But, you know, um, I guess that's the troubles of amateur athletics is that, you know, people give the time and expect so much and I give my time and it's not a professional agreement. And I think that's the main thing I felt with me. It felt as if I wasn't enjoying it. And it is my hobby. I'm not a professional. I don't get paid to do it. And I wasn't enjoying what I yeah. like doing. And so at that point, I'd um, every every year every summer, uh, Easter, winter, uh, Christmas, I'd go home to Liverpool, and um, I wasn't I wasn't training with Mossley Hill because I'd advanced from their ability as well. So I wanted a bit more of a challenge, and I, I'd always thought oh, Liverpool Harriers, you know brilliant club so I went down in 2015 and contacted one of Tony's athletes at the time Jack Atkins who doesn't run anymore um, can I join in with Tony's sessions and he said yeah yeah and so Tony's great as you know he lets anyone jump in you know if you're not a member or um, so for me he would let me train with the group um, from 2015 when I was back in Liverpool and he never said you have to join the Harriers. you know it was just like come and train so you know it was a fantastic athlete Dejean Getsam and loads of brilliant runners there so that brought me on again and um, you know Tony knew I had another coach and it was kind of a division between um, you know when I was in Liverpool I was doing Tony sessions and i tell my other coach that I was doing that and mm-hmm. I was sort of really enjoying it so I got to 2018 anyway and I just thought I'm not enjoying this I'm going to join Liverpool Harriers despite still living in Birmingham. And I, I ran to him and he said, can you coach me remotely now? And he was like, oh, it would be great, you know, cause you've been training with us. And it felt like a, a logical thing to like kind of say, thank you, you know what, and now I, I would like to join. Um, so since 2018, he's been re- coaching me remotely. Um, I've still been training with a few of the lads from Bursfield. um and that's been nice, but it was kind of a bit, more dicey because Tony wasn't there and he obviously he's had commitments with his athletes who are there all the time so he would always give me the sessions and tell me but there's nothing quite and he'd always be at the end of the phone if he wanted to. but being so busy in work as well sometimes it just felt a bit more like self-coaching with input and like a, a sounding board from Tony and um, now being back in Liverpool full-time in the group and um, feel I've come on even more yeah. and um, getting the benefit from that now yeah? yeah that's kind of like my progression through running clubs so some some, some people call me a running club whore but um <laughs> I guess that's the nice thing about the community isn't it you can just go and jump in with things and everyone's on the same wavelength you know you just want to get to the start line and start grafting yeah and, um,
2: I mean that's what I, I think that's what I love about running most like uh, you know and i think one of the i think one of the reasons i miss parkrun cuz you know there's there's many we we have talked about the uh, our what we like and dislike about parkrun on this podcast many a time but I think the thing i i miss the most about it is that that community bit of mm. you know every when you go to a, a parkrun the people they love running no matter whether they you know a, a, an hour plus 5k runner, mm. to you know us guys at the, at the front there knocking you know 15 minutes and 14 mm. minutes and stuff like that um, you know, we all love running, and it's it's that thing. And, you, you know, you're, you're there on a Saturday morning at 9am with 200, 400, you know, people that love yeah. running as well, like, and mm-hmm. it's just a great atmosphere of that. What are yeah. your
0: thoughts on the Park Run, Alistair?
2: I think
1: Park Run's an absolutely fantastic initiative. Um, Despite all of the politics that's going on at the moment with, you know, operational stakeholders and... Um, different you know challenges that we're faced with coming back um, to organized events and yeah. the whole um, new policies on trespassing laws which have massively affected it um, but uh, I think it, it's beyond running it's done like British health and global health such amazing things you know saves, it must have saved the NHS billions just from fitness and looking at it from that way around and actually, it's like going to it's like going to church really, you know, for some people like, you know, some people who aren't religious, actually it's their go-to every Saturday you're going to be there, you see Eamon, Eamon's corner at Prince's mm. Park you know, he's there every Saturday, you know and people go for that and it's a place to you know, if you're not feeling great in the week, you can go and see your friends away from work or your problems and uh, yeah, it'd be a real shame if it doesn't lift off back in the yeah, way okay, it was, yeah. or some kind of hybrid model that wouldn't be needed.
0: Yeah, we, we had a guy there, didn't we? Sadly, passed. Yeah, we did, his yeah. do. His name. You recall his name? I do, yeah. But you, you oh, just yeah. the
2: spot has got straight out of my yeah, but I've got I, I thought I, we could give a, give a tribute,
0: tribute to the gentleman, but we've um, forgotten his name. Medity. Bert! <laughs> Bert! <laughs> Bob, isn't it? Bert! Bert! Bert yeah, lovely fella. And um, he was always there on a particular segment, and he, he would cool, always yeah, give yeah. everyone a very a good cheer. And yeah. it, was, it was nice to see him there. Mm. And he should uh, call
2: you out for for going too slow. To be fair, he's <laughs> what he usually decent. Come it, on, for uh, faster! <laughs> but I, well, to be fair, part room was the first place I I uh, met Alistair, and and, and not race because part room isn't a race, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a, a New Year's Day. Oh, and uh, man, John Joe beat me twice. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Was we it? It was New Year's Day. Didn't and I, you? I was, I was, didn't you I, disrespect I felt, my good friend? I was, I, I, yeah, I, to be fair, I, I felt like I I probably came across as quite a bit of a dick. To be fair, that day. What did you do? Um, you? Well, well, I was oh like, ah, there won't be anyone. I'm going uh, witness Park run first, then I'm going to run to St Helen's part run. And it's like five miles between them, and I'll run run that one, and yeah, I'll do my New Year's Day double, and I'll I'll get first place at both. Anyway, rock up at at witness, and I see Alistair there, and I think. I don't, reckon, I don't recognise him out there. and I'm like who's this guy he looks like a runner, <laughs> like a runner. I'd, I'd, i I had too many beers the night before on a, on a pizza that I could still feel <laughs> on you his stomach and I was like well, we, all, we all know
0: part runners it's all it's about winning. winning it's not competitive it's, all about it's, all about it's competitive. but I was like right okay
2: well, I'm going to have to test the waters here and see where he is so I'm going to have to go off quick so we went off and I must have hit the first 400 metres we were like sub four minute mile pace on the watch you know what I mean and, I'm thinking, and he's there on the, on the back of me and I'm like I can't hold this, I'm about to throw up in a minute, this pizza's coming back. So I was like, I'm going to have to let him go, I'm going to have to let him go. And he went away. And, uh, Did he wish you a happy new year <laughs> No, no, no. Well, the, at the start line, the the organiser had said, you know, you you faster runners, when you if you run past, when you're lapping and stuff like that, wish, you know, I oh, was just, so just new going new past me
1: at the end, going happy new year. <laughs> 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 well, well, that was so, it. so what were you thinking
2: then, So eight? I came in, it's three laps, That's it's three good. laps, and I, I, I caught him back up in the last lap, I was catching him and I was like, because I'd run with this before and I was like, I know this, and i like, okay, I'm going to go past him and I went past him and I went, happy new year and that's it, he legged it and sprint off, and there was a good, there was still about 600 metres to go and I thought, Ah, I've done him now, I've done him and he went and I went, and I went right, just, just watch him now, just reel him back in and well, the last sort of 100 metres or so came back past him and went, happy new year again and then just went, <laughs> and I was like, and I finished and I was like, I shouldn't have done that. I was a really dick move to play. Like, and like, I came I over there, and I was like, just had a bit of a chat. <laughs> and then he told me he was going to shoot. He was going to, to Saint Ellen's next. And I was like, oh, oh, God, oh yeah. shit, that's it. I, I no chance to beat him again at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then, he, and then he didn't. He didn't go there though. He, he went off to. Uh, <laughs> that was yeah I was like, and I, I got there, and I thought, oh, I must have scared him off. <laughs> but then I think you raced, I think you went against <laughs> John Joe, when he was the there. Deviant pal, this week. that right? Yeah. I the funny thing. I bet you don't even remember this,
0: Ashton you remember this? Show? I do, yeah. That oh, you did? <laughs> scarred. <laughs> so, yeah, Matthew, he, he's not such a nice guy after all. <laughs> that
1: is the nice thing, though. I mean, there's been many a park one where I've had too many beers the night before and you just turn up and, you know, you can treat it as a session or you can have an unexpected beer of there and you just don't know. <laughs> but it's 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 just great that it, it exists in the opportunity for, for anyone, you know, if you want to go and smash a, a personal best, or you know run a really good time, so yeah. Anyway, to summarise, I think it'd be a massive shame if it doesn't come back.
0: I often thought about you know the criticism from coaches. I've said this before. You know, part of us, isn't that a place an opportunity to go down and maybe scout a bit of talent, perhaps. You know, if they yeah, to. I'm
1: sure loads of people have you know mm-hmm. come into athletics clubs. And of course, mm-hmm. there are issues with it taken away from other races. But yeah. I think you've just got to view it as. Um, you, People are entitled to their own opinions um, but I've done it like 125 park runs and I've volunteered loads and I think it's you know yeah. really you really know, great to be involved and yeah. there you go.
2: I think the thing that I think the thing is John Joe used to, you used to go and try and when you used to run you'd go and, and sort of run a race it and I'd go I'd go we just week, go You just said that
0: you'd done the same thing Yeah i all be like <laughs> the other ones, yeah? but like usually <laughs> I'd be
2: you know, because I, I, I live across the road from mine, so I'd go across every morning and do <laughs> Happy it. Happy New Year, like you session animal, session. as he's going past. <laughs> I remember this.
0: <laughs> yeah, Come so I, I don't, yeah. Listen, 70 miles a week, what, what would you say, two quality sessions, or is thats is that third session or the Thursday one, or is that not quite termed a session? So you've you got two quality sessions. Yeah, is that yeah. how you would see it? Yeah, definitely. So, um, and and what what I'm going to ask you about is diet and sleep because I know you you've talked about sleep mm-hmm. personally to me before, and I'd like the listener to hear your views on it. Mm-hmm. Um, please, Alison. I think
1: um, to summarize it all, it, it's it's um, it's a big challenge being an amateur athlete. It takes commitment um, to do it. You know, turn out day in day out. That's the hardest thing. You know, anyone can go and do a glory session. Um, you know anyone can go and nail a, a, a brilliant track session you know for for your capability but actually almost harder is like getting up the next morning and going for that shakeout for an hour or going for that morning it's so tempting just to stay in bed so um, yeah two quality sessions a, a week um, normally Tuesday pretty much always Tuesday Saturday with the group so uh, since the um, tracks open back up we do track Tuesday night, um, kind of VO2 max work. We've been working between 600s and K reps, um, depending on kind of what phase the group's in for what races are coming up. And then Saturdays um, are what I, I feel have really transformed and helped um, get that 14, 30 a few weeks ago. Um, the, the the longer reps, you know, half an hour of um, tempo, if a bit faster, um, so we, we train at botanic uh, gardens in, in wavertree so looking at like you know 10 8 6 4 2 off quarter recovery or three times 10 minutes four times eight minutes and that's where i struggle um you know that mentality of grinding it out at a bit of a slower pace but for longer um it's just I, i'm more kind of in tune with faster stuff I, i'm just naturally better yeah. at it but especially training like John Joe, um, Dave, Devine, Tom Rogerson have really pulled me along and um, I definitely feel like that's probably been neglected in the past. Um, And then the Thursday session is kind of a hybrid, so it depends what type of week it is, but at the moment we've been doing hills, short hills, so like um, 20 times 30 seconds and then just jogging down. And what I really like about that is you're not, um, you're not worried about your pace whatsoever because it, it's irrelevant. You really need to focus on your form and also it doesn't, you don't know, like running a six minute mile uphill doesn't matter because it's so steep. You don't know what that equates yeah. to and you just, you're just focused on getting to that next target.
0: And then, um, so when you're going up that hill, you know, you say it's irrelevant. You, you're still pushing yourself to the top yeah, of the hill. Yeah, So you're trying. It's just it could, this eighty percent figure. What does that mean? It's hard for me to understand what eighty percent is, but it's it's just off the. It's significant. Yeah, so I guess. Yeah. Um, does it depend on how you're feeling as well on the day? Totally. Yeah. So
1: that that's the thing, isn't it? I think that's uh, what I've enjoyed from Tony's sessions, especially is that he's more interested in how you feel and how you look than how fast you go and I think that's so important because you know if you're relaxed and you're looking good then you're probably going to be running well Um, and so that relates quite nicely into like this kind of glue session I kind of think of it you know just keeping the legs turning over and another session we do on like Thursday is the monofart lack so you know just turning getting the heart right, spiking it um, heart rate spiking it And you know, on on the grass or something, and then it's kind of flexible. Sometimes you can do a bit of tempo work, um, and also maybe not doing the session. You know, if you're feeling that it's just not going to benefit you, then just going out for a run instead. Um,
0: Yeah, you got a three k this Tuesday coming up, of course. So the Saturday session yesterday was tailor made more for the the race. So it was three hundred meters, ten times three hundred meters. Ordinarily like the previous Saturday where I was there at Botanic, it was four times eight minutes mm-hmm. um, that would genu- without the race take the race out of this it would be a bit longer there on the Saturday yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, And yeah, I know that feeling of, of the eight minutes if it, it, uh, I managed to get through all four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's building. It's building that because uh, a 5k is you know, what is it? is it? 15, 16, 14, mm-hmm. 15, 16 minutes. If you can really push it for eight minutes, and then you can do another eight, and then th- I suppose, yeah, you got to as as Tony would say, you're mixing the ingredients, like yeah, making a, making
1: scales. a cake. Yeah, I think it's tapping into those different uh, machines of of running. Like, I think just making it as basic as possible. So referencing the, the my PB, Manchester fourteen thirty, which is anything I was gonna run. I just did. I wore a watch because I liked to see my split afterwards. <laughs> but I just didn't look at it. I was in the lead group. I was next to Mello and Dave. and I was just thinking, what is going on? This is too fast. But I felt great. Yeah. And then it was just all focused on feel and just driving the train. And I think the benefit of going from like you know running all the way down to like four minute mile pace on the on the faster reps to running five thirty pace, you getting that range and you are also understanding what your body can do. And, um, you know, in, in comparison to like, uh, professionals and people who have been doing, doing it for 20 years, I'm a novice, you know, I'm still not as perfectly in tune, you know, I'm sure Nick Willis would be able to bang out a oh, 57 right. <laughs> and just tell you straight away that, you know, that's going to be that. And I think that's like the, the rewarding thing. You just, you just know when you're running six minute mile or, you know, when you're running nine minute mile and that's exciting.
0: Yeah. My word. Now, we're less, we've still not spoken about diet and sleep, so that's that's uh, and we still haven't got that reading list from you, by the way. I've not forgotten that. Um, uh, talking, we must we can't not forget the fact that you cycle for 50 miles a week. We got a lot of friends who were big into triathlons and um, they what are you laughing at, Matthew? <laughs> you should be we wearing
2: triathlons anymore on this show. So I'm just. No, just no, no. Yeah.
0: I think, I think what it is, seriously though, Alex, uh, Um, I think the, you've got the running community, you've got the, 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 the triathlons. I respect both communities, to be honest. And, and Matthew, I know Matthew does as well. Uh, I think sometimes... trouble. Uh, we're on treacherous <laughs> ground now. I think the perception is, though, I think from both camps to try and separate it and say that one is better than the other. There's no, no, not for me. That's not the case. It's, it's, it is what you, you want to be a fast runner. You want to be a triathlete, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but then th- there is, um, an overlap where some people, cause we're all individuals. I think you, you appreciate the oh, idea yeah. that for some, um, you can do a bit of sweat, a bit of cycle, a bit of runner. You can be really fast cause that might work for you as an individual. Um, uh, but then, to have an idea that that is a one size fits all, that for me that's where it falls down. The mm. argument: you you're cycling fifty miles a week. We're not going to leave that out of it. What's involved in your cycling, and why does it work for you?
1: With the cycling, it's been a relatively new addition into my running training. As I said before, um, I did used to cycle like on on holidays and stuff, and you know go round Hale and do 20, 25 miles with Dad or something. You know, just enjoying it touring. But, um, in the lockdown last year, um, I kind of injured my foot, um, just coming out of the lockdown, having a little kick about, (laughs) so I'll never play football again. (laughs) And, um, I just got on the bike and did replicated my running training, but on the bike, uh, because I couldn't run at all. And from Uh, Because of an injury? Yeah, from that injury in, like, kind of June time last year. June
0: 2020.
1: Yeah, and, um so I was doing that um, I got an indoor trainer so I use Zwift um, which is like kind of makes indoor training slightly less dull <laughs> um, this
0: is where you You talk about the screen in front of you yeah. and it's a sort of um, like, a game, like a video game like yeah, a video yeah. yeah
1: so that's fun and um, so I was doing you know like the same amount of hours basically and then I'd tip the scales once I was getting a bit better so I would go from doing you know 120 miles cycling which is what seven hours of cycling to you know 10 miles running and then switch the scales and then i found myself at an equilibrium where i was doing a bit of the cycling but also i was doing more running and i found it complemented it a lot because it's obviously no impact yeah. um but you are so, still getting your aerobic
0: basin so, so you, you would use the word complement whereas maybe other people would say you know using different muscles and all and you know but it's complementing your your For For me, yeah, yeah.
1: definitely complimentary. So, I try and do uh, as I said, I'm not my mileage obsessive, you know, I use it as a good indicator. So, I'll try and at the moment, um, of course, things change. I'm doing like 80 miles or something in my non race weeks of of running, Um, and then sometimes I'll replace a double day with a cycle instead. So, quite. How I fit my cycling in um, would be maybe just looking at a, an example like this week for example Monday uh, easy run Tuesday jog in the morning session in, in the evening Wednesday I actually did a long run um, but I've never really done that before because I'm racing Stratford on Tuesday so I didn't want to go so far today um, and then I did a, a bike ride after that on Wednesday just to spin my legs out and um, Thursday was easy run session again so easy runs
0: are just in the morning literally just so, plodding so you're getting out for the two runs a day which is uh, yeah. this is a, a level of discipline I've not yet you know i am not yet it's um, hard I have to set like yeah. a
1: contraption of alarms like a, a preparatory alarm yeah. and then I've, one on the other set. side of the room yeah, I've
0: got this. I've got two alarms as well traditional um, alarm clocks or just on my phone on your phone yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And that, that seems to work that gets me up mm-hmm. Friday was just um, an hour run Saturday session. I I did thirty minutes on the bike before the session just to loosen my legs after Yeah, and this is just a gentle sort and of. Today pace. was ten miles, so that was like eighty miles running, forty-five miles cycling. So it's about working on hours, about twelve hours a week, yeah. so half a day exercising.
0: Twelve hours is that? Sorry, is that on the? That's on, combined. Combined, yeah. yeah. So yeah. about
1: two and a half hours cycling, eight yeah. eight hours. You know, mm, nine interesting. Hours.
2: Well, I mean, coming off the you know. Obviously, I we've I, we've heard my thing. I'm always against things and stuff like that. But I uh, off the end of my marathon. The, I don't, the, I don't, the winner of my marathon. I don't see you're against anything. No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm always uh, and, I'm, and, and I'm always willing yeah. to. I always say I'm always willing to learn, and I know people uh, prejudge me as the as uncoachable and things like that. But I don't I know, think um, I don't think so. Very naive. Maybe the, the winner did. the winner of our uh, of, of the marathon race um, is is Jake was Jake Smith, who's who's in absolute you know phenomenal form and yeah. and and things like that. A, a young lad and. Um, but he's absolutely uh, ripping, ripping the, the, the world apart sort of thing at the moment. Um, the 60-30 half marathon back in uh, November in, um, in Valencia, I think it was. Um, so he, he, he was a pacemaker for the marathon. Um, and he, he stayed in and, and went the whole way and, and ran the Olympic qualifying standard. Yeah, yeah, Obviously, yeah. the team's already been <laughs> selected, but he, he went and ran 2.11. Uh, dead right. uh, this is he J- J- Jake Smith. Smith, and he, he paced the the trials race as well, and I think he was he was half tempted at the trials to to go the whole way, but um I think he, he listened to his coach in that one, and then <laughs> I think this one this one round uh, he didn't, but he was he was doing a fifteen hundred meter season he? he ran a fifteen hundred meter PB on the Wednesday, and um, he ran uh, a a nineteen mile run, which was the first he'd ever ever run before on the Friday. Mm. Um, and then he cross trained on the Saturday, I think he did something like a forty mile bike ride, cross training. He never trains on a Saturday, he only ever cross trains. And yeah, um, yeah. that's his, his routine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting. And then yeah, he was pacemaking uh, with Phil Sesaman on the on the Sunday at the marathon and he, he yeah, he got to about seventeen miles in it and he was still on pace, they were on pace for the the Olympic qualifying standard and he thought, <laughs> you know what, oh, yeah, hey, I'm gonna carry on. Uh, so as much as I finished the race in, in quite, you know, disappointed with my own performance, was quite amazed by his, but was also, you know, uh, swearing under my breath at him because, uh, <laughs> you know, to a, 2.23 you know, but,
0: and he won it in 2.11, um, yeah, yeah. 2.11, but he's,
2: too, but obviously when, and then I thought, well, what's he doing? What, what training is he doing? Cause obviously he's, yeah. he's in, you know, fantastic shape. How old is this guy? Was, um, he's, I think he's only like 21. That's, isn't that's, that's thousand, very, so young, very, very young, very young. Yeah. yeah. Um, the British uh,
0: champion is 35. Johnny. No, Jodie yeah. was London, uh, area, 35, yeah. You know, he's yeah. 35, so it's a um, big difference in age. yeah, well, yeah. and Chris Thompson, always. Chris Thompson was
2: 39 when he, when he won the yeah. trials as well, so, you know. Chris Thompson is going to the Olympics. He's going to the Olympics, yeah. As a 40-year-old. Yeah, yeah. He's that, turned 40 now. He's, he's that gives us all uh, an incentive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, to show you. He, yeah, it gives us uh, a bit of encouragement. He's a fine example
1: of just turning up and doing it, you know, just like consistency. He's just got years and years and years of knowing what he's Three
2: years of... Being a GB vest that Chris and has just got that's me. what he's been, all about. Yeah. yeah,
1: just been ransacked with injuries, and he has Chris, been ransacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's just totally. Yeah. It's funny
0: that this late stage in his career, he's managed to stave off the injuries, isn't it? Yeah? Yes. To, that's uh, incredible. Been a lot, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Been yeah. looking a lot of hard graft. Yeah. And, well, yeah.
1: that's yeah, what you definitely. need. I, that, that that's what I've um, found. You know turning up to start lines you might feel supreme and have a terrible race mm. and other days you'll just be like completely not engaged with your run at all just, you just your mind's elsewhere and you feel really heavy legged and then you just take that first drive and you're just going to have an amazing race so you just got to keep going keep turning up and then you know that, that purple patch you know 1 in 50 races you, you'll, you'll nail it and you'll think that's all worth it
0: how do you deal with the disappointment you know let's say you go out there and you have uh, fuming with the result you know you're not happy at all you put all this training in mm. now ideally i suppose you put it straight behind you just put it so you know that's it, it's done it's gone but how, how in reality does it affect you and how would you like to to deal with it
1: um quite often um I, I know the reason for my disappointment so you know if i don't have a good run i'll know why um you know either i I haven't trained right, or I've overtrained, or I've not done something. I've done something differently. Um, the mo- the most frustrating ones are when it's unexplainable. You know, you you're doing really well and you're not performing, but f- that doesn't really. I'm probably gonna um. Go on. T- tempting fate now, aren't I? Like. <laughs> no, <go laughs> doesn't on. often happen to me, apart from cross country, which I'm absolutely terrible at. So. You know, you know going to a cross country race and feeling really good and it not going to plan is, is really like I've had some terrible ends of like after a cross country race I've just thought oh, I'm packing it in you know oh. there's no point <laughs> like so you know I just won't do cross country anymore because I'm really not good at it but Was generally that is that, that
0: you're been serious though yeah yeah I probably yeah. won't do it anymore I'll,
1: I'll turn up for like the Merseysides and stuff you know just to get you know Beat Saint Allen's. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we've, got, we've not, we've not really got anyone running anymore. everyone's, everyone's gone. So. Well, that's a nice side of it, um, you know, to not for the road road realizing the, the the club side of things. But um, generally, I know why I haven't run well. You know, weather or just not going, not training well, or doing something stupid. Um, so yeah, but I'm trying to try and be rational, and I think at the end of the day, it is just a race. Yeah, There's far more important things, you know. Yeah. That's why it's important to keep other interests it's as well and far
0: more, more important thing, like the next race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no,
1: L- literally, yeah, there is always another race, you know. And I haven't been at that level, you know, of like Chris Thompson or Mo Farah <laughs> and probably never going to get there, but never never say never. Exactly. never say never. Um where, you know, it's not just the race if it's the Olympic final like you should be, you know, if you haven't had a good race, gutted <laughs> because <laughs> You know, that is massive but f- for me you know I've never really been at that level of course there's been big races for me but I, I feel fortunate in the way that I-, I can compete better than I train I think I know a lot of people who are really good at training and like nail it all the time when it comes to a and they just kind of don't quite get there. Um, but I always feel I can get the best out of myself into a race going into it and I feel fortunate that I can do that
0: I overheard you this morning speaking to our yoga yoga supremo Dan Merrick um, that you can uh, you can eat anything in fact Jono I think you mentioned that as a runner pretty blessed I can eat anything in reality do you think about diet
1: Um, yes and no I sit here with two chocolate biscuits and a granola bar and a fantastic breakfast cup (laughs) But um, I do feel as if you've got to take it easy when you're training so much and you're burning so many calories in the fact that... What,
0: what do you mean by take it easy, sorry? Uh, with regards lots to... Lots of ice cream.
1: Well, yeah, a few more chocolate biscuits. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 try, I don't eat junk food and I try and limit my alcohol consumption. I don't smoke um, <laughs> as the biscuits come closer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I genuinely just do eat what I want to eat. Like I, I stick to three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I never skip meals. There's no, I, I couldn't. And I often just eat a lot of fruit and work, you know, let's go through,
0: you know, the, those three basic meals that you have, um, for the listener.
1: So a lot of carbs for breakfast, normally just porridge, porridge, toast, um, croissants, i cereal. No protein,
0: nothing like that, eggs, nothing like that. No, not really. No. Okay. okay. Um, lunchtime
1: lunchtime just a normal sandwich to be honest uh, just back of crisps you know it's fruit, just um
0: a bit of fruit as well yeah? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah 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 and then meal you know just making sure you eat a full proper meal you know uh, get your protein and you know i'm a meat eater um just eating rice right, you know not processed foods yeah and then snacking you know try and snack healthily what would that be for you You know, loads of Belgian buns and chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. In work at the moment, you know, people are just like, do you ever stop eating? I don't think I do, actually. I get that as well. I just, I I love food. (laughs) No, I think Uh, as long as you're not excessively eating loads of rubbish or fast processed food, then I think as a runner you can afford to take more liberties because you are burning so much energy.
0: Now, here's a really important thing. um, Sleep. I've heard about your discipline with everything, and you're like, you're Mr. Discipline. We, we should rename you, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Discipline, oh, yeah. Mr. Alistair Discipline <laughs> Rutherford. But the sleep thing—you're ten o'clock every night, and you're re- religious ten o'clock, and you're hitting the pillow, but you you fall asleep at half ten, and you're up at half six every day of the week. Is that uh, right?
1: Speaking for myself, and maybe you feel the same way. As a, as um, an active person, I don't struggle with sleep, so I can. Just when I, when I go to sleep, I'd sleep all the way through um, and I'd try and get a minimum of eight hours. So, working at the moment, you know, to get the morning running, to get the bike ride or whatever else to be fresh for work, you've got to wake up at half six, seven. Sometimes taking a longer line if you need it, if you want to recuperate a bit. Um,
0: Are you starting work at
1: what time? Sorry, nine o'clock? Half eight, nine most days, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Either at home or in the office, yeah. depending. I think that's the benefit of the working from home. What would a guy like me
0: who's starting at half six in the morning, you asking me to get up, I know you're not asking me to get up at half four, but would I have to get up to do that, to do on, what you're doing? But then
1: it? you're on, on your feet, aren't well, you? So say, I mean, yeah. mine's an office-based yeah. job. Yeah, so yeah. so that it's, be, it's just making yeah. it work for you. And I think that's also the, the main thing for running with me is fitting it into your lifestyle and um, learning how to make it align with your lifestyle there's no point going and smashing um a really late night session for example and then neglecting on your sleep and then feeling like terrible the next day and not running and you know not getting your meal in so it, it it's being an athlete an amateur athlete is a process and it's got to fit into your lifestyle in my in my lifestyle
0: anyway well said i mean mm. you talk you know Common sense, which, we, you know, we don't get that, uh, very often in St. Helens. <laughs> <laughs> it's but,
1: uh, you know, I might listen back to this in a few years and think, well, well, a load of <laughs> But, uh, no, I, gen, gen, generally I, um, I'm absolutely knackered by 10 and I just have to go to sleep because I just, my body needs it.
0: Alcohol, do you, do you, do you, do you partake in the old, you know, glass of, uh, whiskey or anything like that? Yeah,
1: I pretty much drink, um, Every other day, every day, really. But like when I say drink, like a can of beer, like a lot okay. Um, I, there's a really cool guy who does a YouTube channel on. Uh, oh, what's his name? He's like a mountain runner. Uh, sponsored by Hocker, um, but he, he like he always talks about having a, like an IPA or something after a long run, and I think I like I like drinking beer. Sage, yeah, Sage yeah. Canada. Yeah, Sage Canada. Yeah, that's it. And um, I try not to drink excessively. Um, you know you'd have
0: a glass of beer with your main meal maybe Yeah, yeah. and, and say the session on the Tuesday which is, is would you have that main meal immediately after your session or would that be too heavy you'd have a bigger lunch maybe or so uh, gen-
1: have... generally training in the evening get back have a protein shake so get your protein in straight away eat your meal might have a beer with the meal and if you want another one I'll have one and that, that's it well
0: that's quite late okay. you're talking 8 o'clock you yeah, yeah. and then you go into bed at 10 does, yeah. Yeah, does that not affect your sleep no, not, not at all. It's not a big big meal
2: though. Nothing massive, no,
0: food, no Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, Matthew.
2: Yeah, so um, well, one of the things I wanted to, say, to talk about was uh, obviously you mentioned briefly before that the Scouse project was was thrown in there, and I think I think John Joe's uh mentioned it before on the podcast, but um, obviously like the, the the setup. You've been to a couple of running clubs in the UK, been members of there and stuff like that. The setup of like the club system um to the states and obviously mentioned before about you possibly you were uh, looking at going out into the, into the States to do your masters or, mm. a, a couple of years back and stuff like that so like that Scouse project obviously um you know is, is I suppose similar in uh, obviously not the, not the same way that they've got out there in the States but the way groups train out in the States these professional mm-hmm. um, sponsored teams and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that so you, you know yeah we've got the like the NAZ elite that I know I've gone on about plenty of times we've got the, the Tim men and um, which have come into a oh, lot of yeah. flack this last, uh, last fortnight or so um, people following that online. Um, and obviously, the the, the Bowmen uh, Track Club as well. Mark mm-hmm. Scott, uh, you know, has been showing some uh, impressive form yeah. uh, for the last total, uh, eighteen Massive. months or so with yeah. some of his runs that we've seen. Um, um, and I think he had a he, he had a great run uh, last night as well, over fifteen hundred meters yeah, uh, as well. three so uh, thirty six. Uh, yeah, 336 yeah. I think it was. Um, and uh, yeah, the Brooks Beast as well. Josh Kerr on a five thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, he finished two places behind Andy Butcher. He <laughs> you know, finished second, uh, wow. 13, 20 for Butcher. I did 13, race, 20, eh? 24. <laughs> oh, no, he's, he's central, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, <seems. laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, um, would you think, especially with, I suppose, being down in Birmingham as well with that sort of a little bit more with the uni sort of thing, there's, mm. there's, a, there's a little bit more hub sort of yeah, design yeah. sort of thing, getting, I suppose, more in that in that way of the American sort of structure yeah, to it. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? And, you know, is that a way that we could see athletics, I suppose, improve a little bit in the UK and stuff with that maybe that, that team sort of thing coming about mm-hmm. you know I think we've got I think on's uh, On have sponsored the Bristol track club yeah, I think yeah, it is yeah. um, and I think there's Brighton um, have got a, a track club elite as well down there and stuff like that so there's, there's little bits popping mm-hmm. up I think London there's like the co- um, cottage, the cottage. Yeah. yeah yeah stuff like that mm-hmm. um, so yeah what's your, your thoughts on I that? I think um, it's
1: from from my experience, um, being part of um the Scouts project now, it's it's really nice because you've got people of varying intensity, um, ability, age groups, gender. You know, there's there's a massive range of ability. You know, you've got Dave Tavini, who's a professional athlete. Um, then you've got you know juniors coming through. Um, and it's that shared commitment and learning from each other, and also not. For me, not being in a super highly strong, intense group where everyone wants to smash each other to bits has really benefited me. Um, so for example, yesterday, uh, we were taking me and Dave were sharing Dave and I were sharing the, the three hundred, so he you take one, I take one. You know, Tom and John were sharing them. On um, on Tuesday, Nathan Jones came down, you know, it, it was open and he would, we were sharing them again. And it's drawing upon the local Talent or local athletes right. to, to to get the job done, and whether that's in a professional setup or whether that's in an amateur club, I, I don't think it, it really matters. Of course, it's great to have all of the support and the network, and you know what they've got going on in Birmingham with the SNC and everything there, you know, does give you that extra. But for me, just turning up and, and sharing that experience just makes it more enjoyable, I would say, because you know, I run. of my miles by myself, because I'm I'm not fortunate to have anyone to run at 6.30 in the morning with me. Mm -hmm. I'd be in misery to be with. So, you know, it's changing it. It, it, I think it's easy to fall into a habit of doing the same things, but, you know, having a, a coach present there and being, you know, people on different journeys, you know, Dave's going to the paras, you know, people have got their eyes on English schools, I've got my eyes on a few track races and, you know, road races, that's what's enjoyable about, about athletics and everyone kind of enjoys running and you know, just focusing on different things and how different people do it.
0: We're coming towards the end of a, a wonderful interview and I wanna ask you about your ambitions, if you have any for the future, perhaps you could see yourself maybe even coaching one day.
1: Yeah, um, I've never given coaching a, a full thought to be honest, it's not something I would discount um, at the moment, I'm really enjoying the competing side. I think, um, you know, I don't know where life takes you. <laughs> if I had a bit more time on my hands, uh, I sure, surely would like to help someone on their journey. But my running ambitions, just get faster, um, understand myself better. I think in the short term, it would be to close in on 30 minutes for 10K. Um, I think now having a bit more endurance, knowledge and strength.
0: you best best currently for 10k, honestly.
1: 31.01 did that speedway last year in January so I think now I've got um, a bit better over the 5k, I think it should come down a little bit. I would like to run um, a faster 1500 so I'm going to target that in a few weeks I'd kind of like to go, I aspire to run low 350s I think I could do that if I got into a good race. Um, Sub 8.30, hopefully on Tuesday. Um, And then 5K, just keep bringing it down, really. And and just following the process and seeing where it takes me.
0: I'd I'd like to be there on Tuesday to support you. And you had support um, most recently. uh, Jeanette and Abby with her and, and the coach, of course. Do you find that that support on the side during a race gives you that extra percentage?
1: Massively, yeah. Yeah. If it's teammates it, or family. And actually.
0: How does that work for you? Is it just a feeling that you couldn't describe? Or, you know, you.
1: Just that. Just gives you that extra kick, and, and you know, especially. You never know when someone's going to cheer you, and you might feel like. So, for example, Abby and Jeanette were right on the bend at Midchester, 4K, and, you know, there's 1K downhill to go, and it just gives you that. Kind of strength, and also Jeanette, the other coach with Tony, so her group and Tony's are kind of amalgamated. She's brilliant as well, given the splits at like you know 400s if Tony's running over to the 600s and taking the fart leg session on the Thursday and just supporting each other. And you know, we're all grafting really hard, and that's the nice thing about turning up to athletics events as well. You know, at Mid Cheshire, speaking to you know people from Salford, Cardiff, you know, um, Sale. Liverpool, Penbrook, St. Helens, you know, you're doing it for the same reason. Um, And I think people stick out like a sore thumb who, you know, are a bit more serious or, you know, less jovial because we're all just amateurs. Um, And even the professionals, you know, you look at like Usain Bolt on the start line, you know, he's having a laugh with Mm -hmm. everyone. He's, you know, the best ever. (laughs) (laughs) That just goes to show you don't need to be, you
0: know. Matthew, have you got any more... Um, I want to ask you also about reading. No, Bill Rogers, Bill Rogers, uh, Marathon Man. Man, um, You borrowed me that particular copy. I borrowed you uh, Matthew's uh, Ghost Runner (laughs) because I I don't have any. I'll tell you one thing. I thoroughly enjoyed the, the Bill Rogers Marathon Man. Think you passed me on his, his email? I, I'm not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to send him a message saying i thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, and, and if he hit reads that message, then great. Um you've read 15 books already this year. You're becoming a prolific reader, although you don't consider yourself mm-hmm. a bootworm. I, I I think I'm I'm gonna call you a, a bootworm. Uh something I thought Alistair the bootworm, can you <laughs> recommend <Man. laughs> can you recommend some running related books that you've read and you could put out there for the, for the listener and myself, I've got pen and paper here. We're write these down running related books. Hmm. The ones not necessarily, maybe cause sometimes, you know, to get a boost in your hmm. performance, you know, you mentioned the Mandela book I think hmm. yeah, um, long Walk of freedom brilliant. cause it, you've got that inspiration there and hmm. that can just, it can give you something. Even in your running, I imagine it give you that inspiration to get out there, perhaps. Mm-hmm.
1: So, running specific books, the um, Bauman book, Men of Oregon. We're Currently reading that, yeah. Yeah, that's it's uh, book. yeah. Ghost Runner. That was a great read. Yeah. We both read that. Uh, Matthew
0: read that as well. Uh,
1: what the Japanese author um, Haruki? Oh.
2: What I think about when I'm running. Yeah, what I think like about
1: that. when I'm running. That's a really, he's a really good writer, and he's um, and his name's
0: Haruki. And I can't remember. his second Oh, that's his, I that's his second name.
1: Research what I think about when I'm running. Yeah, what I, I think about, think about
0: <laughs> <name>. <laughs> Haruki. Right, okay, any, any, any more?
1: Um, and then, none off the top of my mind running specific, but other books that I've been quite influential and yeah. in what I've enjoyed recently in non-fiction. Um, Moonwalking with Einstein um, mm. by Josh Four. It's about uh, memory training remembering things and how to um, just expand your horizons, I thought that was brilliant Um, how the world adds up um, or how to make the world add up, that's about um, kind of looking further into um, stats and looking beyond graphs and figures, that's really interesting making you have a bit more of an outward look on life and really analysing things and then factfulness uh, by Hans Rosling. Uh, encourages you to have a more factful view on on life so he starts the book with 10 questions you know assumptions like one of them is how how many what percentage of um people in the world have access to you know electricity 20 40, 16 you have to put in your answer and then he kind of assesses your answers through the book in each chapter so there's like 10 chapters and it, it just um it makes you have a world view of more more factfulness within um your assessment of things, and that, that that's really engaging. I'd, so that'd be my top kind of three non fictions at the moment, alongside the the running ones.
0: Really interesting, and the fact that you when you pick in your twenty books, they're not all running books, and there's a reason for that. It, tell us about you. You like a broad spectrum. You want to challenge yourself in areas that you don't know much about.
1: Yeah, totally. Um. The, the reason for trying to read 20 books is not some kind of strange obsession it's uh, a really bad reader um I wanted to be better at reading and I thought being regimented in my training I'd just say you know well I'm going to do that this year and force myself to do it and I found it really rewarding to 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 learn so much but um yeah I, I don't naturally tend towards fiction um so I'm trying to read a bit more out there fiction and uh, you know i could run about i could read about running and music and um you know stats and stuff <laughs> until the cows come home so
2: yeah well, that, once, that's good. once a runner have you ever heard that one no I no so that's a fiction book oh that's probably that's probably the best get on depiction the of what running is in you know in literature sort of thing you know yeah. like what running means is he's is is a college track athlete in america and it's uh miler so it's, it's good for your 1500 oh, year nice. yeah once a runner once a runner yeah it's a runner by john um oh what's his last name he was he was um training partners uh with uh frank shorter um so he, he was a frank runner shorter, himself yeah. he, was a, he was a collegiate yeah. runner himself mm. and was yeah training partner with frank shorter for a long time and frank short was mentioned quite a lot of times mm. in the book as obviously um, a character in there but it's it's yeah Far, you know,
0: finally on the, on the reading um how do you regiment um, you're very Germanized to the way you regiment yourself <laughs> how do you <laughs> <Dog>? <laughs> how do you um, you say to yourself one hour a day uh, Bernie used to say to me one hour a day not a chapter because chapters can be varying lengths let's say one hour a day that's what Bernie would say yeah, to it. me he sadly passed a few months ago he got me on that pathway of reading you know uh, later on in life I was I think it was 28 you yeah. know um how do you do it? So when uh, when, do, when do you do it as well?
1: Uh often in the morning, um, before I start work if I can. Brilliant. Um or but for how long's long time. So it's not a length of time, it's often like mark pages. So of course in the week I've got less time, so it's it's like epoxy amount, even like ten pages. But then again if you're reading, you know, ten pages for five days, that's you know, quarter, you know, however much of a book. Whereas you can get slightly more overwhelmed if you just gotta, I've gotta finish this book by the end of the week or something, and then in the weekend I'll just read kind of whatever I want, but more.
0: Do you do you stay focused on the book that you're wanting to finish, or do you say at the weekend you're moving around onto other books? Or yeah, so sometimes
1: um, I, I like read some uh, quite a lot of research books with with work as well, so I'm kind of balancing, so kind of have two or three on the go at the same time. Really interesting. <laughs> That's nice. So. Uh, a good one I read at the moment as well Bill Gates um, getting to net zero um, how, how, how we can tackle climate change that, that was really interesting
0: Bill Gates is an interesting character a lot of people are out to get him I've um, noticed nope. with, with losing with his him. wife really yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what could you say about the man Bill Gates just out of interest
1: um, he's a really interesting person an incredibly su- su- successful businessman Um, who has the benefit of being absolutely loaded, and so he can invest in kind of whatever he wants, and he can have this um, hyper reality of, uh, of worldview because he can just see the wood for the trees. He can see that, you know, for example, electric cars need more investment, and uh, you know, in capitalist society, you know, you're going to go for the lowest hanging fruit, and you, you you might not invest in that yet because you can make more um, gains in I don't know keeping burning carbon or, sorry burning coal so he can just see the issues that the fa- the world faces at the moment not, not all of the issues but what he's invested in um, that that's really interesting
0: from your perspective you would say he's genuine and he's, uh, he's out for the greater good
1: I, I would like to hope so and that's okay. what i got that's, from his book but yeah, that's, you, you nice. Know, that's nice yeah. that's
0: nice it's yeah. nice to see the good in people mm um matthew do we have any any more questions for for this great man alistair
2: i don't to be fair I'm, I'm, oh, it's been a conversation that's been, been, it's been, been, a, been a really interesting yeah yeah I've really, enjoy,
0: yeah I've really enjoyed i've really enjoyed alistair um, i have a, a wonderful some presents for you here oh. sir. well i'm well informed i believe you like merlot wine and, oh, very much. and okay. we've been told by um mrs blennerhassett the professor there at Edge Hill, that red wine is good for you a glass a day yeah, the antioxidants yeah. so that there's the a bottle's even better it, it's in the post uh you're a guinness world record holder well i've been looking for you in this boot, mate and i can't find you but it's 1954 The guinness world record boot of records
1: for those who can't obviously see it is actually in color as well so yeah That's good yeah
0: though. And listen, might I don't. Be, know, might be the kids one though. Have you have you heard of John Gotti? <laughs> I have indeed. The yeah. mobster, a the astonishing rise and fall of a mafia supremo and his gang. What do you reckon?
1: I think that'd be inspirational for uh, tearing up the track. Here. <laughs> there
0: you go, sir.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, it's been. Um, thanks for having me on. I know it's been a long time coming. It's been oh, marvelous. I hope it's I haven't happened. bored you to death. <laughs> no, it's been great. Not
0: at all. It's been marvelous. We've learned a great deal
1: thank you very much and yeah enjoy the rest of I'm looking forward to hearing the the great people that are going to be on next especially greater than me but that's um, to be revealed
0: (laughs) no one greater than Alistair my hero